This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where we tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic was college. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafiori. I'm Adam Lustig. And this is episode number 58. 58. We're rolling right along here, Bill. No guests. No guests. If you're a fan of the guest episodes, we've got bad news, folks. Just me and Bill on this one, flying duo. Boring Tuesday. <laughs> uh, last episode, we had Ned Fulmer of the Try Guys yes. talk about some of his adventures and misadventures on his BuzzFeed show. Yes. I'm sure that if you all are internet savvy, you are familiar with the Try Guys canon of putting themselves in incredibly hilariously compromising situations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Today is January 27th. Yes. And their series, Squad Wars, which features Harvard Sailing Team, That's right. came out yesterday. That's right. So if you have two ninety nine to spare or however much YouTube Red costs, yeah. I believe Harvard Sailing Team will be the third episode out the gate. That's nice. And uh, no spoilers. Here's a spoiler. Yeah. I jump off a high dive and it's very scary. <laughs> So there's that. No spoilers except for this one very specific spoiler. The main spoil. <laughs> exactly. That's the twist, and I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ned was a really great interview. He was uh, such a wonderful guy. Yeah. He's, a, he's a pint-sized Clayton Early. He is, and he would be the first to admit, I think he even referenced that on the podcast. Yes, he did. Yeah, he's Clayton, but squished down. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that episode was about courage. That's right. And this episode, it, it requires a little bit of courage to it, do this next step. It does. Yes. Today, we are going to be talking about college. Yes. Uh, this was actually... Actually, a suggestion that one of our listeners made that we should ta- tackle college. Yeah. Um, because I know that we talk so much on the podcast, or at least we refer so much to the Harvard Sailing Team, which is the sketch comedy group that Billy and I, of course, have been a part of for years and years. Yes. And so many of us, in fact, all of us except for Billy, met at college. That's right. Um, so that's where we sort of congealed, and that is where so many of our lifelong friends were made. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did an episode. Episode 55 was about dating. That's right. And that also came from a, a listener who suggested that topic. And that, that episode was really, really fun. Yeah, that was really great. That made us kind of have to reconsider how we do things today. Yes. And it's fun to kind of look back on college and maybe consider how I would do things differently with this yeah. now that I'm 35. Yes, exactly. Um, but before we get there, this is the first act of the No Joke Podcast. And in this act, we'd like to talk about our history with college. Yeah. So I'd say the college starts to become more real come junior year of high school. Yeah. Right? High school just seems to happen, and, like, middle school transitions easily to high school, and, like, hormones are happening, and puberty is happening, and, like, life exists. And then it do- it is sort of this, like, I don't know, my visceral experience of, like, the college admission guidance counselor process was that – you're just so wrapped up in your own s- small social goings-on of high school that you almost don't even see it coming or care that much in the moment. At least I didn't. Most of my friends, myself included, didn't treat it like the huge life decision <laughs> because this is your opportunity to leave town, yeah. to see a new place in the world. Yes. There are universities all over this country yes. and some features very specific things that you might be interested yeah. in. And it's a very practical bridge to the rest of your life. That is what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And most of my friends said, what school is 
is 45 miles away. (laughs) Kind of close, but a little far away. That's interesting. I can still party without my parents finding out. Oh, that's nice. One foot out of the pool. So the reason was to have exactly one foot. I want to be close. I want to be far enough away that I'm not being bugged by my parents all the time. But if I want to jet home and party with my high school homies, I can do that. That's also available. That is the kind of joy of the SUNY uh, school system. The State University of New York is that they're all kind of freckled all over New York State. Yes. So you're leaving home. But it's also because I think a lot of my friends didn't have very specific interests or uh – like studies that they right. wanted to necessarily pursue. Yes. It's like we all were marketing majors. Yeah. You know, yeah. just like if you don't know, you become a marketing, marketing. or communications major. General, and just placeholder. Go to Oswego. Yes. You know, go to wherever. All these schools up there that That's just right. could be anything. Cortland. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you could just go to any of these schools. Go to Albany. Exactly. You know, yes. but for others, you could go to University of Arizona, yeah. or you could go to University of Michigan, yes. or you could go to NYU. That's right. But that's why, I mean, I, I wonder. Uh, I knew so few people that – well, first of all, you're 17. Right. You're 17 years old. Yes. And it's like if – first of all, if you at 17 have a laser focus, plan for the future, you know exactly what you want to major in and how that major is going to translate to a career, like God bless you. You must be like Lin-Manuel Miranda or something. Yes. I don't know who you – I don't know that person. Yes. It's like I don't know a 17-year-old who has their head that screwed on that straight that I'm, they know exactly what their life path is. I'm focused on zits. <laughs> zits, man. Zit maintenance. I'm 33 and I'm still maintaining these zits. Okay. So that's – that is a strong focus still. Right. So like, yeah, I don't know the 17-year-old who has that sort of like, bing, that like Reese Witherspoon from election laser focus. I yeah. know exactly what I'm meant to do. Right. But I would even give you and most of the members of Harvard Sailing Team credit in that even if you didn't have that laser focus going into college, you did know that you had a very serious general interest. Yeah, that's and that, true. And that is acting. That's true. Whereas I would say a lot of my friends, and I would say, frankly, the majority of 17 and 18-year-olds aren't really equipped to know that they want to pursue a very specific track. No. And they'll just kind of stumble into an education career or some side of Marketing, some other career. Communication, yeah. something, whatever. Where just, it? Yeah, where it's just like in every school, there will be that department for this. That's you right. went to a school that had a very specific focus on theater. Yes. And you had an interest in that. And th- I think that's why you had kind of the upper hand. Maybe so. Maybe so. I must admit that for me, it was – I mean, for instance, our fellow Harvard Sailing teammate, Rebecca, went to a performing arts high school. Okay. Uh, like this place called New World. Uh, in Miami, which is like this very prestigious sort of like magnet performing arts school. So I think that even some of our – even our friends, even within the Harvard sailing team, even had a bit clearer of a path. My personal path was that I'm a path of least resistance kind of fella. Uh-huh. I don't really feel too strong. I didn't really have that laser focus. Sure, I was into acting and I did the plays in high school. So that was like I knew that I – did that yes and that was fun and i had i my skill set sort of lined up with performing because i speak loudly and feel no shame so it's like i can i have the two skills that are necessary i went to a acting program like a summer acting camp i want to say to your point junior year of high school like right when it's time to start thinking Mm -hmm. (laughs) about your future and i went to a summer acting program at the egg in albany one of the coolest buildings one of the performing arts centers downtown and the teacher at this act summer acting program happened to have gone to nyu and he was like you know you should consider that and i had literally like i said literally not even considered college for one second Mm -hmm. for one second and he was like, you know, you're pretty good at this, and maybe you should do this. Have you considered NYU? There you and go. And that was the first time I'd ever considered any college ever for anything. Isn't that incredible, that pivot? That was the that, pivot. That moment was the pivot. Yeah. 
It had nothing. It, it did not come from me. Yeah. It like was not an internal thing where I was like doing the research and looking at for all the schools and looking through the brochures and doing research online. It was some man named Ward with whom I am still friends and whose opinion I trust very much and was like, you should think about NYU. Did you apply to any other schools? I did. I applied to Syracuse there University because sure. my that was honestly up until 17, my only really collegiate framework was sports, right. college sports, Syracuse, Orangeman, Carrier Dome, Jim Beheim, done. Did you want to study sports broadcasting? I would have. Really? I would have. Do you think that's the way you would have went if you went to Syracuse? That's... No, because I, I did. I auditioned for the theater program at Syracuse, too. And Syracuse has something of a, of a reputable, substantial theater program, too. But Newhouse, as you know, yes. is their journalism, TV, radio, broadcast journalism. They school. produce all of the sports broadcasters we know. All of them. Yes. All of them. Everyone went from, there. Everybody. Mark right. Albert, Bob Costas, Mike Tirico, every single one. Mm-hmm. All went to Syracuse. Um, but good for you for knowing that there was going to be performance in college. Yeah. Even that. I, just even that. Yes. To me, <clears throat> I had felt like through high school, yeah. up until that point, I was a career student. Hmm. I was burned out on school. Yeah. And now the thought was, it's going to be exciting and fun. Pick another college. Pick four <laughs> more years of school. I knew there was fun social things that were going to happen at college. But the thought of keeping, having to keep doing this did not land well with me. classes? I, I told my parents I didn't want to go to college. You did that, yeah. I, I told them that very directly, um, and they were very supportive of me, and I still went to college. Yes. I still. So what? now what accounted for that transition, though, so between I, you not wanting to go and then you ultimately going? So I went, I ended up going to a small school in Maryland called Towson for a mm-hmm. little while, and uh, that's where I started. It was like, it really what I learned was the social integration that college provides yes. more than the actual classroom. Yes. And at Towson, I learned that while... Some of the classes weren't necessarily challenging to me, and I still had the same kind of feelings I had towards going to class. I just had enough street experience to know that I'm learning in other ways from other people than in the curricular classroom. Yes. Um, I enjoyed my first year there to socially ingratiate with myself, with other people, and then to learn who I was within that group of people. You know, and I was at that point, I called my parents and I said, I don't need to come back anymore. Right. You know what I mean? This is, this is no, there's nothing behind this. I just, I'm done with school. Yes. And they said, all right, let's slow play it. Come back home, move back to New York. And I started taking improv classes, which like helped take the edge off of school for a second. It was was its own kind of school. Exactly. It it was a place where I was excited to learn. Right. And then I started and I went back to Hofstra. And I reluctantly, but to my parents' credit, finished school at Hofstra. So I had a degree in writing, which was good. Yes. So there's that. Yeah, seriously. So there is that. Yeah, that's true. And to your point, the Baltimore thing, to your previous point, is that exact like 45 mile distance. Yeah. It's just like that. It's like a, a long arms reach away. Yep. 15-minute plane ride for the folks, four-hour yeah. drive for the folks. Yeah. But it was just far enough away where I felt like I was going to be on my own. But ultimately, I knew, much like you did, that if something wasn't right or if something didn't feel like I was on the right track, I needed to address it. And for me, performance, it started coming. Like, that performance bug started coming. But with the, it started with the UCB classes? That yeah, was kind so, of where you... So I was, so I was going to UCB shows. Right. And then I would go back to Maryland. Like, yeah. I would go see UCB shows during, like, spring break or whatever yeah. it was, go back to Maryland and just feel like I was missing New York oh, man. and my, like, youthful period in New York. Oh, that's interesting. And when you kept going back to Maryland, it, no disrespect to Maryland, but the, the urge was back in yeah. New York. Yeah. And I just had to convey that to my parents. And they were very, very clever at balancing use New York City towards your advantage while simultaneously getting your education. Getting education. Just getting it done. Just get it done. Absolutely. Yeah. When you told your parents, because 
your mother is an actress. Correct. Your father is a musician. Correct. They're in the arts. Yes. Uh, when you told them that you were like, you know, taking UCB and I kind of want to move back to New York and what about writing? Yes. I'm assuming that they were wholeheartedly supportive. In a way, yes. yes. So there was a very specific conversation that my parents bring up a lot, which is that uh, I was done with my freshman year of college in Maryland and I wasn't going back. Mm-hmm. And I told – or maybe it was like a, somewhere in the first or second years. So yeah. And I wasn't going back. Yeah. And my parents were okay with that. Yeah. They just wanted to know that I had something planned. And they said, what do you want to do with your life? Good question. And, <laughs> yeah, fair question. Great question. Because I know what I didn't want to be doing with <laughs> yeah, my life. Yeah, class. And they said, if you could do anything, any dream job, what would you want it to be? And I said, I want to be a writer on SNL. Okay. And this was before any sort of comedy had even entered my life yet. And within, and they were like, okay, <laughs> neat. <laughs> Good luck with that. Cool. Me too, Bill. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor Harvard <laughs> yeah. sailing team or anything like that. Yeah. And within, I think, 18 calendar months from that conversation, I got a call from Saturday Night Live saying, do you want to intern here? And my parents just kind of kind of patted themselves on the back <laughs> and also breathed a huge yeah, sigh of yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. right. But uh, that, that was arrow my... that Billy flung out into the universe certainly came back to hit him. Yeah. 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 But I, I got to say, I, I don't know if I'd be as motivated to go to SNL if that was my only thing. Yeah. I still had to get my grades up and do right. all my stuff in college. And the two kind of shook out well. Yeah. yeah. What classes were you taking in college? Were they – how much of it were write, creative writing classes and what were the non-writing classes that music. you were taking? Oh, so, music. So there was writing classes, but there was – I was also a music major. Wow. And on the piano. And and that was so, I was so over my head. Yeah, it's like every you should take a course that you should take a track that you feel comfortable <laughs> yeah, in yeah. and that you feel like you could do every day and you want to do when this is over. Music to me was torture. I'm not a musician. I, mean, I was literally learning on the fly. My dad's a musician, yeah. so I guess I'm a musician at heart. I didn't mark? inherit it exactly. Oh baby, yeah, <laughs> and, and that was its own. Like a little form of torture. That is so funny. I thought you were going to say that everyone should choose one major that's appropriate and one major they're ill-suited for. Oh, <laughs> good idea. Yeah. We'll talk about what major you're very ill-suited yeah. for in the second act. Perfect. Uh, let's go into a quick ad read, and we'll be right back with more No Joke. If you're anything like me, you really want to be a home cook and want to know your way around a kitchen better, but you just maybe need a little bit of a nudge. Well, that nudge is here, and it takes the form of Blue Apron. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for the nudge, Blue Apron. Appreciate it. We all need it. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Uh, Blue Apron is a home delivery service that provides you with uh, a meal a night for less than $10 per person eating said meal. That's right. They give you the exact amount of food that you need per meal. Yes, and the reason that that's awesome is A, because it's like like considerate of your portions, but also that it doesn't create too much food waste. Yeah. So that's nice. And it's also, I don't know what turmeric is, but when it's delivered to me <laughs> and in the recipe that they provide tells me now use turmeric, I'm now a turmeric guy. <laughs> You're a turmeric guy now. Yeah. Um, some of the meals that you can get now uh, from Blue Apron include mushroom and chipotle pepper enchiladas yes. with lime, sour cream, por favor. Good words. Oh, baby. Yes. So that's another delicious one, including pork chops and garlic piccata with scallion rice and spinach. And Blue Apron knows that you're a busy man or woman, and they know that you don't have all night to cook. Every meal that Blue Apron gives you, gives you is only 40 minutes or less to cook. Yeah. So it's a nice contained time to focus on the food and then eat that food. They weirdly have their finger on your pulse. Yes. Um, So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free, again, with free shipping, by going to blueapron.com slash no joke. Absolutely. It's important. Let us hit that one more time. Blueapron.com slash no joke. Get your meals. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. 
Welcome back. This is Act Two of the No Joke Podcast. Today we are talking about college. Correct. Um, and Billy was just telling us about how he bounced out to Towson. Yes. Towson in Baltimore for a year. Yeah. Was like, not exactly my bag, what with the academics in the school. And I didn't like class either, man. Yeah. I did not like class either. My yeah. dad also is, and he will be the first to admit it. Maybe he even talked about this on the podcast where we had my parents on, but he hates school. <laughs> school. School. Like learn, like that's the difference. And like learning is wonderful. <laughs> learning is abjectly and in every t- wherever you can get new information and new experience, that's always an endorphin rush. Most people like to learn. Learn thing to learn a new thing is a rush. I think humans like to learn, right? We like to grow our knowledge and yes. grow our brains yes. and expand our perspective of the world. Okay, school is a different thing. Yes. It's a very, like, factory-farmed version of learning. Yeah. Like, you can love learning and not like school. Right. And I think that that is, frankly, most, maybe most people, I don't want to speak for most people, yes. but a lot of the, the people that I'm intimate with, Billy, loves learning, doesn't like school. Correct. My beloved Maggie loves learning, in fact, is the most learned, soaks up all information, hates School. Sure. Hated school. Sure. My father's the same kind of way. Not for everyone. Not. It's not for everybody. It's certainly not for everybody. Right. Um, but that's why I just want to further applaud your parents for sort of realizing what – how the temperature that you were – that so they sort of took your temperature on how yep. – Bit good of a fit it was yeah. and sort of let you make your own school experience work for you, yes. which I do think is really smart yes. and good parenting. Um, hypothetical. Now we are now in uh, college. Okay. It's the second act and we're in college. Great. You are an acting major, a theater major. Yes. Um, but NYU has instituted new rules. Uh-oh. And they now need you to be a double major. <laughs> oh, God. And much like me with writing and music, okay. I was ill-equipped to be a music major, <laughs> yeah. but there I was. <laughs> You now to be have to be ill-equipped at a major. Okay. So welcome to NYU. Shit. <laughs> um, do you have any questions or any suggestions on something that you're particularly ill-equipped at? Maybe I can find you a second course of study. Okay, perfect. Well, uh, as you know, I'm certainly excited to be here at the Tisch School of the Performing Arts because that is where my skill set lies. You're a lovely actor. Thank you so much. We love watching you on stage. I appreciate being watched. Now, how do you want to fail? Well, uh, I could fail at so many things because there's so much I don't know and so much I'm poor at. Okay. Um, one of those things is anything in the scientific disciplines. The scientific disciplines. If you drop me into a physics major, I will drown within days. What do you know about physics? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is a perfect example of uh, in my high school experience. Yes. I... I have a bit of a contrarian streak in me. I'm very affable, and I like people very, very much. And but I, there is something that, and I'm you gonna, have a breaking point, dude. I do have a breaking point. <laughs> I do have a breaking point. Sorry and, if I interrupted. No, you. not at all. But you do. I know. Okay. And like you, Billy, I uh, and just like some of the. I don't like being told what to do. I do don't really love authority figures that much. Right. And I do have a- His eyes just rolled across the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. I'm picking up my eyes from the other side of the room, putting them back in. Um, so my physics teacher in high school specifically, um, who shall remain nameless, loathed me. Loathed me mm-hmm. because I wasn't interested in physics. Mm-hmm. I uh, was distracting the entire time mm-hmm. in every single class. You were probably a prick. I was a big prick. Okay. A big prick. Yep. Uh, and again, not in general, but specifically to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he returned the favor and was a big prick back to me. So, like, that was one of the things where it's like I would have loved to l- have learned about science and right. about physics. And I would love to 
have been more scientifically equipped and know the difference between an ion and a proton and a moron or whatever, you know, but Good. I don't totally. Okay. And it's only my own fault because in my 11th grade phys- – in my high school physics class, I sort of set the precedent for just like an, an assholey type relationship with my teacher. Yes. I gave up on him. He immediately gave up on me. I can relate. Um, in high school for me, that was uh, marine biology. <laughs> yeah. Why do I need to learn <laughs> marine biology? You hate fish. Okay. <laughs> Bill doesn't need this class, but here he is, and he's in the be- he's in this class with his best friend, mm-hmm. Steve Corvetti, and up, today Steve? we are dissecting things. Oh boy! And what do we do with the dissected fish? Because Mr. D'Ambrosio hasn't been very nice to us, and it should be noted that Mr. D'Ambrosio used to say hello and thank you. You just threw that T at the end there. So we would call him Mr. D'Ambrosio. Come on! And then we'd get detention every time. We'd raise our hand and go D'Ambrosio, and he would just be like, detention. "That's another one. That's another one." <laughs> So he made me and Steve sit in the back corner, and he would usually just give us little tasks to do so that we wouldn't talk during his class. Keep usually like busy. Fish the, uh, fix the fish tank, these type of things. Count to a million. So yeah. <laughs> we had to uh, dissect sharks, and we dissected the sharks, and then we hid them all over the classroom. Oh, my God. And we played Find the Sharks with Mr. D'Ambrosio. Oh, <laughs> so, you hid sh- dead sharks all over a high school classroom. I, I believe it was Steve who <laughs> raised his hand and said, hey, D'Ambrosio, we're going to play a little game called Find the Shark Head. <laughs> Find the head. <laughs> So this is like one of the both high, high school pricks. High school pricks, I get man. It. I get we it. were cut from the same cloth, Bill. He was throwing jabs and we were throwing hooks. You know what I mean? We were sparring and it was okay. Oh God! The rules of the game had been established. Exactly. Yeah. So as a result, you were probably doomed to never become a marine biologist. And you never a physicist. Never a physicist. If never I, going to happen. If I had to step into a physics, uh, what is a physics class? Physics. And just give a, a PowerPoint presentation yeah, yeah. for thirty minutes. You know what it would look like? What? This is what I know about physics. Yeah. It would be a GIF file of a ping pong ball being hit back and forth, and I would just stand there and say, physics? Physics? Question mark? Physics? <laughs> For 45 good cold minutes. Physics? Right. Yeah. All right. So would physics be the, the challenge? Physics Physics is the thing that I feel least equipped sure. uh, to engage with. Theater and physics major. Theater and physics double major. That classic twist. That twism. classic twist. Um, one great thing about college that I would say is that we talk about how the school and the classroom setting can sometimes be a little cold and uh, yeah. hard to learn in. Yes. In college, it feels like the school and learning portion is like 30% at of most. the experience. At most. You know, at major colleges, there's the big football experience or the tailgate or homecoming right. or like a Greek rush. Sure. You went to a very different non-traditional school. Yeah, that's you true. didn't go to a school that had frat rows. Not at all. But you went to NYU. Yes. A school that doesn't really have a football stadium. No, I think it's it has the opposite of a football stadium. I would say that too because every football team, every collegiate football team wants a big, scary, rough, yes. tough name. When yes. they charge out onto the field, it's like we're about to play the Buffaloes, Jaguars, Falcons, Vipers. A scary name. Something intimidating. NYU's name was? Well, has a couple. One is the Violets. Okay, let's start there. Yeah, so... Swing and a miss. Yeah, that's a bit of a swing and a miss in the intimidation, uh, when it comes to intimidation. Is that the flower? I think it refers to the flower or it could refer to the color because NYU, the color is violet. It's in purple. Is right. It's color. Okay. Um, it's, but that doesn't really still. No one, no one's fearing, even if it was the flower, the violet. Not it's really. It's not a scary flower. I don't think so. It's not even like – it's not like a Venus flytrap. It doesn't have like a carnivorous element to it. It's Correct. just a pretty purple flower. Right. More pathetically almost no. uh, was that but sometimes they didn't even call themselves the violets, but they would call themselves the bobcats huh? on the surface. Huh? There's an intimidating mammal, at least with – some teeth, but the reason they called it the Bobcats oh. was because the NYU library was called Bobst, and the team was literally Bobst Bobcat 
bobcat named after the library. Hashtag fail. Hashtag super mega fail. If you're going to at least pick, everyone seems arbitrary yeah, exactly. in their name choice. So if you're going to say bobcats, just say because they're scary and they'll bite you. Because it's an animal we like. Sure. Right. Don't admit that it's named after the library, you nerds. <laughs> <laughs> you nerds. The and NYU fact, bookworms. Bookworms, man. I went to one parents weekend. My parents and I went to one NYU basketball game in the entirety of my career there. Mm-hmm. And they lost by 50s or 60s of points to the University of Washington Shoot. at St. Louis. Yeah. Were they at least like 6'8"? Not were, they like, they were, were they like sized like basketball players? It's problematic when you realize that like you or I probably had a fighting chance to make the NYU team. Right. So like that's a that's that's mm-hmm. not a great starting point. Right. Yeah. That's a, I know someone. My friend Jason was on the team. If I know someone on the team, not a good team. Already not <laughs> in a school that has twenty thousand, yeah. thirty thousand, forty thousand. You shouldn't know the twelve on the <laughs> you basketball. Know the twelve. They should be on a mountaintop, some other pedestal. Right. right. Yeah. And NYU had such a not football team that some wise ass, maybe my junior senior year, started printing and they got really popular. Ironic. NYU football t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Of course. I mean, good for him. Because make what NYU lacks in athletic prowess, we make up for in wry irony and sarcasm. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> because all, I'd say 90, ever, almost every other college in America, yeah. um, on the weekend, there's a big sporting event that they go yeah. to. There's a big party that everyone's going to. Unifying event. There is some sort of, like we mentioned earlier, frat row or just some sort right. of unifying event. Yeah. At NYU, <laughs> you go to NYU but you really go to Manhattan. That's all you're going. That's you're, what that's what you're doing. You just basically get a four-year pass in Manhattan. Might as well just be NYU. I went to NYC. It was so odd for me, a person who grew up 20 miles right. from Manhattan, would travel there often as a kid, yeah. to then go away to college for about a year or so, yeah. two years, and then come back and visit like Chris Smith and you guys at NYU. Yes. And try and piece together <laughs> yeah. what about this is college. Yeah, yeah. What's college about this? You guys just got New York City from 18 <laughs> to 22. I know. That's the truth. You know? That's the fact of the matter. Um, You going to NYU, is there any sort of – do you miss or do you wish that you could have had some other college experiences that other college kids get? I mean, sure. Part of me, there's definitely a grass is always greener element and that when I would go freshman year to visit my friend Nicole who was at Cornell, for instance, and I would see this beautiful, robust, like out, ripped out of the brochure campus with the right. ivy growing on the wall. You didn't even have that. You didn't have the brick buildings and the no. green grass where all the students would sit out. No grass. Funny. No grass. That grass is covered in piss. <laughs> There's no grass. <laughs> that right. grass is Washington Square Park. That's what the grass is. Right. That's Washington Square Park. Yeah. But yeah, I do I do have a, a little bit of envy or I just sort of wonder in the sliding doors reality of my life what my life would have been if I had went to Syracuse or Ithaca right. or some of the more traditional school. Like do you wish that you went to some of those big frat parties where it's like – 500 people, people are doing crazy things everywhere in the back, and there's a mud wrestling competition in the basement. Does that appeal to you? I mean, it appeals to me in as much as that it sounds like such a foreign experience to me. And that's something that I just have not really had. The closest I ever, honestly, this is humiliating, got to that was like when we would go to like college shows for Harvard Sailing Team. Right. Two shows there, and there was like an after party at Devin's house. Right. Devin was always throwing. (laughs) And it was like a black light downstairs and a DJ. And I'd be like, okay, this is maybe what a frat party. I don't know. what a college party is like. Right. Yeah. See, I went to Towson uh, with the hope and expectation that there was going to be big parties yeah. and it was going to be blowouts yeah. and you were just going to be like making out with strangers. Like from the movies, like and, colleges in the movies. And it happened. Yeah. It was all there. But what I also found out was that has a, a short shelf life with me. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Like it's just once you start doing those parties, I played for the rugby team, which is like a party atmosphere. That's a whole – That's you're plugged into a subculture there. And, and there is just parties. You're partying. Yes. 
And after a year, I was just like, I think I want to not be so drunk yeah. and dial it in a little <laughs> yeah. bit more. And that's when I moved back to New York. But, yeah. it's, you know, there's something very romantic about, like, the idealized version of going to college for four years and literally just being, like, half in the bag totally. for all four years. Yes. But I found that it was so much more rewarding for me, even at that age when – you know, you're supposed to quote unquote be partying yes. to meet you dudes yeah. and be like, let's work on scenes. That's so interesting. Yeah. You were like mature in spite of yourself. Yeah. You just have like evolved interests, even though you wanted to have the baser college interests. Right. You just. And I think that's kind of what goes back to what we said in the first act, where it was that you um, had at least a an inkling of an idea as yeah. to what you could study. Yeah. And that gives you something to kind of grasp onto yes. as opposed to just kind of letting yourself get lost that's in true. like this like whirlpool of just capital C college. That's true. You know, and I think that I'm also lucky enough to at least address it too by yeah. saying the partying was great, but UCB and working on other things that make me feel more, feel better. Yes. Um, are more important. And yes. I think that most people would want that. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but yeah. I think that most people would love to have a guiding light or something that it says, we don't need to be getting drunk because we can be doing this. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think you are wrong. I mean, like, I don't know. This sounds like very, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say arrogant or highfalutin, but it is sort of, I don't know, being productive. Like 18 to 22 is a ripe age. And in the culture, we have sort of predetermined it to be this age for, like you said, experimentation, drinking, partying, right. college, like inhibitions, like you're only young once right. kind of thing. Right. Like this is your prime, this is your prime youth. Like, like live every day to the fullest now because you're going to have kids later and then you'll be shackled to that. That's so it. So it's like you better live now. Right. And the thing is, I know that a lot of people do feel that way, and that's like the imp the impetus is to like go drink and be wasted half the time. But um, I don't know. Finding a purpose and living with a purpose feels good. It also does. feels good. I mean, I would party uh, in college. You start partying on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, yeah. like if you're if you're smart because you make your own schedules, you don't have to take class on Friday. Right. And so you'd finish around two on Thursday, and now you're partying of course. through Sunday. Of course. And every Saturday morning and every Sunday morning, you would wake up so hungover, <laughs> and like you'd have to like kill four or five hours drinking coffee and learning that you hate coffee, but you <laughs> need coffee now, and all these things start coming together. Yes. And then when I would start, then I moved back to New York, yeah. and I would start waking up on weekends, and I had worked the whole week, and then like gone to rehearsal with someone else, you know, improv and all this kind of yeah. things. And I'd wake up on Saturday just feeling like, a clear head yeah. and like f like fulfilled or yes. productive, you want that. I know. I mean, you want that. I know. I want that, I should say. I, w I want that also. Yeah. Uh, let's go into the second act break. Great. We have a good friend of ours um, in a very good band. Yes. His name is Ryan Glennon. Yes. We've talked about him before. Sure. And uh, his band is called Send Medicine. Mm -hmm. They have a new song out called Translucent, and it's blowing up on Spotify. Great. It's legitimately blowing up on Spotify. Very cool. So listen to the song now and find out why Send Medicine's Translucent is blowing up on Spotify. Right on. Yeah. 
Was send medicines translucent. Shout out Ryan Glennon. If you have a couple extra bucks, find a way of giving it to Send Medicine. Their albums are for sale, and yep. they are good dudes. They are the type of dudes that, uh, growing up on the East Coast, they they're they're hippies. I mean, there's yeah. no other way of putting it. Like they are all hippies. In yes. fact, today at the gym, Ryan said to me, "I think I'm going to legitimately start wearing dresses out." At a boy. He's like, "I'm just going." To, he's like, "I'm ready to commit to that." At a boy. And I said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Go get him. At a boy. Go get him, Tiger. Um and. <laughs> They are West Coast dudes that 
to me was like they'd be playing at a college party. Yes. Like when you see them in like long flowing pants and long flowing hair, that those people didn't exist in my circle on the East Coast. Me neither. They are playing that basement frat party. They are. It's Ryan's exact band. And Ryan is is really funny too. He's such a wonderful, brilliant, charismatic guy. And he went to UCLA. And I feel like just through talking to him, he's also had some sort of like capital C collegiate experiences. Oh, he yeah. He was roommates with Maurice Jones-Drew. Lived across like, the hall. Lived, lived across, across the hall from lived across the hall. Yeah. So he had – he was like in the eye of the capital C big sports college storm, yes. I think, for a little bit. Ryan is a uh, skin and bones hippie. <laughs> yeah, baby. And he was beloved by Maurice Jones-Drew, yes. a Hall of Fame running back now in the <laughs> NFL. And so much so that after the UCLA's football games yeah. – and I, this is one of my favorite stories – Maurice Jones-Drew would grab Ryan, long-haired hippie dude, yeah, and he'd bring him to the parties and clubs that no one else was allowed into. And when the bouncer would be like, who's this, pointing to Ryan, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew would say, he's the kicker. <laughs> he's the kicker. Uh, and in went Ryan. He could totally be the kicker. Ain't that great? Oh, that is so funny. He went to UCLA. Yes. Um, and if you're not a sports fan, these names might not mean anything to you. Yes. But he went to UCLA, which is a sports, like, mecca. Preeminent college basketball institution. I mean, so amazing. He had Kevin Love on his team. Wow. He had Russell Westbrook on his team. When he was there. Yeah. That's Drew Holiday when he was there. Russell Westbrook didn't even start. That's so ridiculous. So not only could he go oh, to oh see Russell Westbrook, God. the greatest NBA player in the league currently. He could currently. watch him sit the bench. He could watch him sit the bench. He could also watch him going to bio. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you could also watch him going to home ec. So, like, there is an element of that that I do miss at NYU. Just right. like this, I mean, like, uh, this isn't obvious. The sports fan in me, of course, is envious of Ryan for going to right. UCLA and hanging out with Russell Westbrook and living across the hall from MJD. Right. Like, the, obviously. The NYU equivalent, I would say, is that a lot of your peers and classmates are like Steven Spielberg's daughter. Yes, that is true. That is definitely true. And while cool to some, that's not like Russell Westbrook to us. <laughs> That's true. But I remember where, like, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen were, like, studying in the same school, and it's like, I guess that's great. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Sometimes you'd see the Dell guy in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, <laughs> not exactly not, Kevin Love. Not exactly Russell Westbrook, but... But, but Adam, okay, Dell guy on one side of the spectrum. <laughs> Sometimes you'd see Woody Allen in the <laughs> That's hall. true also. Yeah. So you're in New York. Yes. I mean, NYU, like we're kind of, I feel like we're kind of like glamorizing the capital C colleges and universities, yes. the Ohio States, the big party right, schools of right, the world. Right. But NYU, to me, like it was actually the dream. Yeah. It was like, I was, I, for, for me, yeah. and I'm not saying that, I think that a large percentage of America would not want to go to NYU. Sure. It is not what they're looking for. Right. But if you are the type of person who has always had interest in the West Village, did yeah. want to surround yourself with totally different people than yeah. you definitely surrounded yourself with in high school. Yes. It is such an incredible collection of different wild points of view, hormonal points of view. Oh, baby, jump in the weird stew. Oh. There, NYU attracts the weirdest of the weird. I mean, there Absolutely. was a guy there named Joe who his quote-unquote thing, especially in Tish, which is the art school, it's like anything goes, baby. Right. And there was a guy, Joe, who didn't wear it all four years, didn't wear a shirt that was accepted. That was the deal. No matter rain or shine, winter, summer, spring, fall, Joe never wore a shirt, just a long black trench coat, shirtless underneath. And Joe needs like, to chill. There's no Joe. one at NYU, there's no one in his class Joe at some point where it's chill. like, yo, Joe, chill the fuck I mean for the sake of the class like it's we get it yes we get it at NYU I would say the and again this is very snarky and I, first of all all of this on the umbrella of I wouldn't trade NYU for the world it's where I met my deepest lovest friends who I love we all, know always obviously yeah. all of that being said but it does it can veer into cartoon the cartoon version of itself which is like oh. who here is more eccentric than the next exactly it's an exactly. eccentric off see here's my thing <laughs> I am from Long Island yes. and 
I'm not a. I, I, there's no camp I'm going to put myself in, right. but I do feel like I was just far enough out of NYU, but also just close enough in that I could look at who Chris's friends were. Yeah. And be like, those eight are great, but those three are like off the rail weirdos who are dying for attention. Exactly. It's like in college, we all want to be seen. Sure. Obviously. Yes. Like everybody wants to be seen. It's yes. just kind of that stage in life. Right. At NYU, it's fast forward. I mean, like people wearing three piece suits to like this class that doesn't require that whatsoever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I took in my college experience uh, a lot of like technical writing classes, a lot yeah. of technical music classes. Yes. You took a few classes that uh, what's a good word to describe it are uh, vague. Vague. Yeah. Like, uh, like a lot of performance classes kind yeah. of like require a little like uh, maybe not vague's not the good way of putting it, but like a little ethereal. Yeah. No, it's super vague and ethereal. I think those are two good words. Yeah. Uh, well, there's some classes where you. You just like have to go to sleep. That's right. Well, one in our well <laughs> acting school again, like all under the umbrella of acting school, arts school. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of like funky curriculums. And in our voice class, uh, there was a good chunk of the class that was devoted to learning learning right. constructive rest, right? Which is the technique. I'll just explain it to our listeners: is lying on your back and resting. Okay. So it's a very expensive school. Super Adam. expensive, <laughs> and that I want to say literally took a a week or two to get through. Why not just do push-ups if you're all there? Great question. <laughs> Great. Why not work that body? Good question. <laughs> or learn acting even. <laughs> um, and, and one would say that like constructive, and it's all of course that is like a snarky pejorative thing to say. Of course, it all contributes to acting training. You need to focus on your breath and learn how to be relaxed. But you're paying your for these body, classes. You're paying a pretty penny. And you literally just got out of your bed where you were doing the same thing to come to this place to just do the same. <laughs> thing yeah i'd rather save the forty thousand dollars yeah yeah so there was some silliness there did you have classes where at school well while you were taking them you were like i don't need this oh everyone (laughs) i would feel i honestly felt like everyone this was my college day when i was at hofstra yes yes i would wake up at around maybe seven o'clock in the morning dang boy and work at a deli uh, from 7.30 to about 10.30 every morning. Jeez. Okay, the Coliseum Deli, shout them out. Shout out. Then I would go from Coliseum Deli directly to college where I went to Hofstra, where I would do about five or six hours of classes. Wow, man. Then I would go to the uh, school paper, the comedy paper, not the newspaper, the comedy paper called Nonsense. Nonsense. Where I was the head writer and I would work there for like three hours. So cool. And then I would get on a train and then I would go to SNL and I would work from SNL from like 9 to 2 a.m. No, like 9 to 1 a.m. Every day, Billy? Uh, like four, four, four weekdays and, and the Saturday night show. So oh, five days. God. And then I would uh, get a car ride home to Rockwell Center and then go to the deli the next morning. So that was my yeah. – there was no – it wasn't like – after I left the party scene at Towson, it was time to work. Yeah. That was just like where I was at. Yeah. So like when I was taking these classes five hours in the mm-hmm. course of the day, mm-hmm. it all felt like – I don't need this right yes. now. This is one part of the mosaic of my life, of my day, let alone life. Yes. I have six other things to do after this today. Yeah. Yeah. I think that actually I had like six more credits that I needed to have or maybe three mm-hmm. to graduate. Mm-hmm. And my mom called the school and she was just like, let me just tell you what my son's been doing. Yeah. And she's like, he's going to be pursuing comedy. Yes. He's not going to be pursuing music. Right. Please don't make him take this one more class to keep him in school for like right. a summer semester. Right. She's like, he's been at SNL. They'll write him letters yeah, of yeah. recommendations. Yes. And the school's like, yeah, he can graduate. Uh, it's fine. It's <laughs> yeah, fine. It's fine. It's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I, my relationship to the classroom, as we've mentioned, much like your father's and Maggie's, yes. it's, it's not, it wasn't for me. Yeah. But I was very interested in learning as much as I could. Exactly. And that's what we were kind of saying before. It's like learning is a thing and school is can be related to learning, right. but also isn't always necessarily exactly. the best place to learn right. for some people. But you 
were able to, which I think is like making the most out of what a higher education experience can be, right. which is fold it into the context of a life. It doesn't right. have to be like your one fo- – it's just like it's college – is just an it's just an option. Yeah. It's not the option. Yeah. You can live a perfectly blissful, productive, fruitful, lucrative life right. never having gone to college. Yeah. Having gone to college for one second, having gone to college for fourteen years. Yeah. Like there's no rhyme or reason. My to advice that. would be to somebody who kind of felt the same way I did, maybe they're sixteen, seventeen right now and thinking, I don't want to go to college, no one's going to make me. Right. Cool. Cool. That's fine if that's where you're at. But here's what I would encourage you to do before you make that choice. Figure out how your time will be spent. Right. Because when everyone else leaves to go to college, at least they're going to be somewhere right. where they can do something. You may find that school is actually an opportunity for time to pass yes. in the day. Yes. Because it's like, unless you're looking to get a full-time job right. um, or you have all these extracurricular activities that are going to keep you busy Monday through Friday, nine to seven, I doubt it. It's like you need to at least have a plan in place. Because you don't want to wake up on the first day of school when you're not going and everyone else is, and now you're just staring at your phone. Learning, it's like the act of learning organically helps a person find their purpose. Right. And like not purpose in like a, a in a, like a spiritual way at whatsoever, but literal functional purpose in the world. Right. Where do I fit into this global mosaic? Like what are my, what's the task that I like mm-hmm. and can be paid for maybe? Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't need college for that, but that is what college ideally should do. And this is what I was saying to, about your college experience is that it is essentially what it did do. Even though you knew like I'm going to do comedy, I'm studying music, which maybe isn't exactly right, but I'm, I know I'm going to do comedy. Yes. But working at Nonsense. Yes was integral to that. No question. Integral. And so yeah. and so then the question would be, okay, maybe I didn't go to Hofstra. And yeah. maybe I didn't write for the comedy paper. Right. Would I have gotten the internship at SNL? And say that I didn't go to Hofstra and I didn't get the internship at SNL. Now I'm just a guy who works at a deli. Right. And no disrespect to those guys because some of my favorite people I've ever met are just dudes that work at a deli. Right. But college in a weird way pulled out other things from me that I didn't see coming. Yeah. yeah. And it's a very expensive choice and it's a very time consuming choice and it's riddled with, should I still be doing this? Right. But you know, it's those weird things that grow out of it. Yeah. You know, it's like what it is and then what you take from it. Yes. You know, would it be so awesome if it was free for everybody? Oh man, that would be so sweet. Yeah. That would be great. If like college could be a free thing and everyone had a right to free higher education. But now what do you think if it could be? Yeah. But only online. Like uni- like Fe- University of Phoenix, does that still count, or do you think that the whole social thing matters too? I think that the social thing is matters more than the education. That's tough to keep free, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like it if is it's tough. if it's just the education, like University of Phoenix, where it's like you can take this on your defeats the purpose. Okay, to me the fu- to me the the. Again, as the function of college is as much leaving your hometown and going to a new place and seeing uh, spending four years with people from elsewhere. Okay, and just simply being elsewhere. Okay. Being elsewhere yeah. and learning how to be a person, a social person in the world from people from elsewhere okay. is like kind of like 70% of what I perceive to be the benefit of going to college at all. Yeah, it makes sense. And then the learning and the craft and the skills that you learn or may or may not learn while you're there is also obviously service function. But to me, it's like learn how to be a person in the world outside of your parents' house. Yep. Um, so yeah, the online thing, I mean, it'd certainly be like practically awesome if like online colleges were free and you could get a degree for free online. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Right. That would be a great start. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, in a perfect, perfect fantasy world. Yes. F- colleges are free or just state schools or whatever. Right. Where you could, um, it wouldn't break a, a family's bank to like, you know, send their kid to school. Yeah. No, um, I hear you. And get them physically out of the house. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, good episode, Adam. Yeah. Great talk. That was college.
I think that like this podcast is uh, one could say is like kind of like our graduate school experience. Wow, <laughs> wow. One might say, one might say, one, one just did, one did just say, that. one did just say that this was like our. <laughs> and graduate no more school. than one will say that. Oh, this one hasn't. <laughs> um, for the No Joke Podcast, I am Billy Skipper. I'm Adam Lustig, and as always, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. That was a Headgum Podcast. <laughs>